Lose 20 pounds in 12 weeks without stepping foot in the gym or lifting a single weight, even if you have no time. Give us just five minutes per day and we'll provide you with the plan you need to enjoy life with confidence, strength, and a slimmer waistline. We weren't always nutrition coaches. Before we were mud running Spartan racers and Ironman triathletes, we were overweight, bouncing from one fad diet or exercise program to the next. We'd been duped by the best belly blasting detox more times than we'd like to admit. We stopped falling for fitness industry hype and rediscovered the exact principles that have helped people lose weight for decades. Eat real food, eat proper portions, be active, Sounds easy, right? But something was still missing. It's the reason why millions of people struggle to lose weight and keep it off for good. We were lacking accountability and support. That is why we started the Sense Fitness Fat Loss Program. We've helped countless people just like you get into the best shape of their lives without feeling deprived. People who have tried everything, people who feel like they weren't meant to lose weight, and people who just don't have time for another gimmick or bogus supplement. Our guarantee, if you follow our program, check in with us each day and don't lose weight, we will give you your money back. Let us help you lay the foundation for success. And in return, we'll help you get in the best shape of your life and stay that way for good. Visit our website, sensefitness.com to learn more and schedule your free consultation. Welcome to the Sense Fitness Podcast. I am Jim Gazali. And I'm Karen Gazali, and we have a really special episode for you listeners. It is our first podcast in front of a live audience. Yeah, it was awesome. Earlier this month, we interviewed Emma White. She is a professional cyclist and a U.S. Olympic hopeful in track cycling coming up for Tokyo 2020. So we had an opportunity to sit down with her in front of probably close to 40 people, which was an excellent turnout, very well received, and she was fantastic. Yeah, Emma's really cool. She's 22 years old, as Jim said, uh, a USA team, Tokyo Olympics hopeful, um, will likely, you know, we don't want to jinx anything, but we feel like she'll likely make the team. She's super talented. Um, she's a local to where we are here in upstate New York. She's from Duanesburg. She graduated Union College in Schenectady, major in computer science, um, which she at one point joked that she'll find a way to connect that to cycling in her future. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was really cool. And, you know, you'll have to forgive if any of the uh, audio is a little off with our, we let a Q&A happen at the end of the podcast with our audience members, uh, some of which were just so excited that they didn't pass around the microphone. So if you, if you don't hear those questions, you'll have to forgive us. We'll do better next time. Yeah. The answers were loud and clear, though. Yeah. And uh, it was really an awesome event. We were really grateful that Andy Ruiz of the Capital Bicycle Racing Club uh, was able to co-host with me and also grateful that our good friend Corey Comitel, who has been a guest on the podcast, uh, opened up his gym, Infinity Athletics, uh, in Albany uh, for us to host the event. Yeah, so it was awesome. It was informative. Uh, it gets technical at times. So for all of you super cycling fans, you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, yeah, sit back and listen to the soothing sounds of Emma White. All right, everybody, enjoy. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Uh, my name is Jim Gazali. I am the owner of Sense Fitness. Uh, Andy Ruiz, the vice president of the Capital Bike Racing Club and U.S. Olympic hopeful Emma White. Uh, first, I don't know where Corey went. I think his baby's crying in the back. I uh, just want to say thank you to Corey, Comitel, and Infinity Athletics uh, for hosting us tonight. Thank you, Corey. And I think we're all going to learn a lot about bike racing and cycling in general. Uh, we hope <clears throat> we put on a good show for you guys, and you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth with Emma here for a little while, and then we'll open it up for, for questions uh, for everybody in the audience to to weigh in and, and ask whatever questions uh, that you guys would like. Emma White, it's been a long time in coming interviewing you. I'm so psyched to do this. 
but I want to thank everyone that's here in the audience. I see a lot of different faces that I recognize from Bethlehem Tri Club, Capital District Tri Club, Cycle Cross, as far as Night Cross goes, and uh, CBRC. It's just great to see a lot of faces out there that kind of represent the cycling clubs, Mohawk Hudson Cycling Club as well. So Emma, I want to talk about when you first started cycling, how old you were, and kind of who introduced you to the sport? Yeah, so um, I really started riding my bike as soon as I could, <laughs> probably seven or eight, even, yeah, probably around then. Um, and a lot of you know my older brother, Curtis, um, so he started racing uh, just a year before I did. So he was 10 years old and I was nine years old. So we'd go to all the, the Nycross races and other local races here um, with CBRC. Um, so started off with road and cyclocross um, and then went professional four years ago, so um, in 2016. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy, crazy ride, but. So when you first started racing, uh, were you doing cyclocross and road? And do you remember your first race? Um, I don't remember my first race. I did a lot of the kids' races. Um, so you couldn't technically start racing until you were 10, I think, with the race age 10. So I'd, before I was allowed to do like the, the big kid races, I did the kid races. And those were a lot of cycle cross, so at like Gloucester and Northampton. And um, I remember a lot of those. So I did do road and cycle cross at the same time. Um, all up until two years ago when I stopped racing cyclocross, but um, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember the first race, but I remember being at a lot of. There was a lot of local junior races, so um, I was at a lot of those with the team. So, as you started racing, and I'm assuming that you were winning some of these races, and then you went to the national championships. And when was the first year you won your first national title? By the way, she's 12-time national champion. She's the current uh, U.S. professional criterium champion, the uh, youngest ever at 21 years old. You're 22 now, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and obviously uh, on a short list to make the Olympic team for next season, for next year. So do you remember your first national title, and what discipline was that in? Uh, to be honest, uh, this is also going to be a tough question. It was a long time ago. <laughs> You're only 22. <laughs> um, I, I, it was a criterium, which kind of makes oh, sense. Okay. Um, yep, I was probably 11, race age 12. Gotcha. And so you probably don't remember where it was. No. <laughs> it's nice to win a lot of races. So well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this will be a, a little bit of an easier question. So y you've been a pro cyclist for, for four years now, so in from your late teens. At what point did you, prior to that, kind of realize, like, okay, I'm really good at this sport? So I started racing um, with a junior men's team, Hot Tubes Junior Development Team, um, that my older brother was on. Um, so that was just when I was 16 and 17 years old. So that was a big game changer for me because there was a lot of uh, times during those two years where I was like, I'm not good enough for this. Like I was training with boys my age who were a lot stronger than I was and I was getting dropped um, and I was the only girl in the program. So um, a lot of times the team director would reassure me and he'd say, like, you're here because I know you're good enough. And um, so that was a big mental uh, I thing I had to overcome. Um, so then in at the end of that, those two years, I raced the world championships in Richmond, Virginia, um, as a 17-year-old race age 18. Um, and I got two silver medals in the time trial and the road race. So that was the first time I was like, okay, this is a, I mean, these are people from all over the world I'm racing against and I'm, I'm coming out okay. So uh, that was a big game changer, I think. Prior to Richmond, at the World Championships. I was there, by the way, you probably remember that, and uh, watched you uh, win two silver medals at the Worlds. But prior to that, you were national champion in cyclocross and road, but uh, at you know, a younger age group. So at that point, you must have had some inkling that you, know, you were a, a really strong rider and able to compete at the national level within your age groups. So you know, when you went to the World Championships in Richmond, I'm assuming that's probably the, the largest race you had been to up to that point because you weren't really eligible to race UCI races before that, right? 
Because you weren't seven. You were 17, but were you eligible for UCI races yet or no? Um, no, but the year before I, yeah, you can't do UCI, but y the year before I was in the world championships in Ponferrada, Spain as a 16 year old. Okay. So, I okay. Right. I do remember that now. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. Gotcha. But that was the, that was really the first one. So Richmond would have been the second. Okay. So at that point you win two silver medals at the world championships. Um, you probably realize, wow, you know, maybe I can make a living at this sport. You know, you know, turn pro. So at that point, were you on rally yet or were you or were you still with hot tubes as that junior? Yep, I was still with hot tubes. Um, it was after that event that I signed with what was then Optum Cycling and then became rally. Right. OK, so when was your first UCI race? Uh, was that with us when we went to yeah, Joe, uh, Martin. Joe Martin in Arkansas? Yeah. OK. Okay. Yeah, so why don't you explain a little bit about that first. I explain a little bit when when you could do UCI races, how old you have to be, and, and what you did with that. Yeah, so that actually had to have been before Worlds, because I wouldn't have guest rode once I signed with Rally, so I was still with Hot Tubes when I guest rode for you guys. Um, and then, so it must have been... I'm not sure, I'm actually not sure of the rules. I think the rules have changed because we have a junior on our team, Megan Jostrap, who's phenomenal. Um, right. She just won world championships, but she is turning 18 this, or she is, she's 18 okay. now, race age 19, and now she can finally race with us. To bring uh, folks up to speed, um, in 2015 and 2016, I owned a, a women's uh, elite team. And uh, at that point, we were going to UCI races, and Emma was on hot tubes, which at that point, it really didn't allow her to go to UCI races because you have to be on a five, six-woman team to be eligible to get there. So she came on board with us for a couple of races, and we, we, we got her to some big races that year just to catch you guys to speed. So you've been a pro cyclist for a handful of years. Has, has the professional ranks kind of changed at all over the the last four years or so that you've noticed yeah um so i think every year they change a lot and i think in general we're heading in such a big big direction um with um uci teams in america becoming more europe-based and um certainly the competition is this is a huge time for women cycling and cycling in general in in the u.s and all around the world so um, that's really cool to see. I think uh, this past year has been a little bit unfortunate. There's a lot of year, a lot of races that are um, not being able to be put on. There's a lot of races kind of shutting down. So that's sad to see, but that's a big. That's a big change. But um, hopefully, we're gonna head in the other direction coming up. Do you think Europe as a, a, a base is just for like the year-round training? Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time in Europe um, other than racing. And this past year, our team did more racing in Europe. So we'll go for um, four weeks at a time probably. But um, I don't spend a whole lot of time there as, as far as being based there. Do you want to get into the structure of being a professional cyclist and what that kind of entails in terms of contracts and uh, team dynamics and all of that? Sure. So a question I have for you is you're a junior rider that, uh, you know, is riding at the world level. What's the next step? Do teams contact you? Do you send out your resume? To How does that work? Um, yeah. So when I was on Hot Tubes, I kind of, I, I didn't do a lot of racing with teams. Well, I didn't uh, other than with you guys. So I was scoping out other teams and seeing um, where the riders, if their personalities, if I liked that, and if I liked how, so I was really, I was looking. Um, and Optum at that point, which is now Rally UHC, um, was one team that really stood out to me. Um, all the women on it were just, they were role models, and um, I liked, I just liked everything that team stood for. So um, that was a big, I, I reached out to them because that was my number one list. Um, so I think it can work either way, if um, the team can reach out to riders as well. Um, but it was a pretty, it was, I wanted to be on their team and they reciprocated. So it was a kind of an easy decision for me. So 
the next step is like some negotiation. So you talk about, I guess, salary is one thing. Then you talk about what races you're going to go to because within that team structure, there's different abilities. Like, for instance, you, you're an all-arounder. You can time trial, you can climb, and you can sprint. So they can use you in a variety of races if you were just a pure climber or you were just a pure criterion rider. So that was probably attractive to them. And, you know, you're, 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 you've never been on a team, so I guess within that structure they can kind of set you up for the way you kind of want to, like, oh, I'm trying to find the right word here, but, you know, at least that way they can slide you in as a rookie and then you can work with the, the more experienced riders, I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. And that the year that I signed with them was actually they they completely wiped their uh, team and started with new development riders. So they were looking for young riders and development riders and riders that were really on the um, the upward curve there. So um, that was that was they they were looking for that, um, which helped me in that moment. Also with school, that was another thing that I really had to talk to them about, which might be a reason that a team wouldn't want <laughs> um, me, but. Um, my team is really, really good about supporting um, athletes that go to school. So they were willing to work with that schedule, and um, that helped out a lot. So are they yearly contracts or multiple-year contracts that you sign with a team like that? Um, it all depends. There can be either. The first three years I signed were yearly, and then last year I signed a two-year. So I was set through 2020. Gotcha. And can you tell, tell us a little bit about once you're on the team, you have a bike with you to train on. It's your primary race bike. But the team must have a bike. They must have equipment that they have to get to races. How does that work? Do they just have you fly to a race and everything's set up for you? You know, you're a fully sponsored athlete, so everything's taken care of. You know, your entry fees, clothing, salary, bikes, masseuse, doctor, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, they really make it so my only job is to pedal the bike, which... Which really makes it easy. That is the easy job. <laughs> um, it's also a lot more fun, I think, than the other jobs. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, so we have um, a home bike that just stays at home. Stays. Uh, that's my training bike. And then the team travels with my race bike and a spare bike. So um, and mechanics to take care of the bikes and soigneurs that do massage and food. Um, so really, it, it's a. It's a crazy, crazy life. <laughs> you don't want to get too used to it because I hear it, it stops at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to work nine to five or something eventually, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> are other professional teams, are they all set up that way where the athletes, all, all they have to do is pedal the bike? Yeah, um, some are set up better than others. I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, uh, the financial side of it is tough, especially in the States. Um, a lot of European teams have, like, I mean, that's the ideal setup is the European teams, right. but um, it really differs. It's not, they're not all the same. So talk a little bit about how you balance being a professional athlete while still earning your degree, the communication that's got to be involved between you, the team, your professors, the university. What what really goes into all of that so you can perform the best uh, while you're racing and then also while you're studying and, and getting that degree at the same time? Yeah, um, so I went to Union College um, just down the road here in Schenectady, and um, I think that was the best decision I ever made. Um, it's a small school. The professors are so, so supportive. Right from the first year I was there, they were not only supportive of it, but they were super interested in it and they were they wanted to be a part of it so um i just communication was the biggest thing um just telling them when i was uh, not going to be there and going to office hours and spending just like making up that time that i lost um they they really made it easy like i i wouldn't have changed anything so also on the other side of that was working with my team telling them which races i could do which ones i couldn't um with being at Union, it was a trimester system, so three 10-week periods. Um, and that was a little tough because work, missing two weeks of school, is that's 20% of attendance. So um, that was a little bit difficult, but um, then it, everything gets, goes by faster, too, in 10 weeks. Sure. So 
um, I was really lucky. So within cycling, there's a few different disciplines. You have road races, you have stage races, you have criteriums, you have circuit races. Out of all those disciplines, you know, what is your favorite event and what's your strength and weaknesses within those? Within just road? Exactly, all, well, all the disciplines. Um, what do you like the most? Yeah. And I really like my favorite part about cycling is the team. I really like the races where you're working together with the team and it's all strategy and it's mind games. And uh, when we go in and we're all on the same page, um, that I think is really fun. So a lot of road racing has that. Um, I really like criteriums for that too because you're, I mean, you're setting up a sprint or you're counterattacking. And um, we also race with radios. So our, our director is in a car behind us and he sees what's going on from the race. And then we obviously can, we're seeing what's going on from within the race. So um, sometimes the, we've got a road captain, a captain on the road. So um, before every race, our director chooses one rider to make decisions if, if need be. Um, so I, I was able to take that on that role this past year a bit, which was a really fun, fun role because um, there's a lot of trust that goes into it. I, I trust my teammates and they trust me. So um, it was that's kind of cool. It, it changes. It changes so much, the plan. So I like being able to do that. So I guess the road racing and, and crit racing. So when you have a plan, and, f and so in bike racing, you have teams that are sprinters. You have teams that are don't have sprinters. So in a criterion, for instance, you know, the non-sprinters are trying to get off the front so they don't have to sprint against the sprinters. And then the other teams are pulling back the sprinters. So it's kind of like this tug of war during the whole race. So it's like a lot of, it looks like chaotic, but it's really not. It looks chaotic from the outside, but there's instructions from the team directors at all times telling you what to do. So I would assume that you're a protected rider, meaning Emma can sit in and draft and rest while other people on her team are pulling back breakaway riders that who are attacking or just setting a hard pace so no one can attack. That happens all the time in criteriums. So now there's crashes in races and there's you know all kinds of bad luck stuff that happens. So how many times like on the fly do you have to make decisions? Because by the time you radio back to the team director in the car or all the teammates realize what's going on, sometimes you just have to kind of go with your gut instinct and that must happen occasionally. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's that's really come with experience too. I can tell you, the first year I was racing, I didn't have any of those. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, and that's also what the team captain on the road is for. Um, so sometimes, if I'm riding, I'll be just be like, "Hey, Sarah, go!" Like, uh, um, just like being able to call things in the race, and um, so not necessarily everything happens on radio. Um, also things that happen are flats and punctures and uh, just mechanicals along with crashes. So if that happens, we also will reach back to the director in the car. But um, it's something we all need to be aware of. And being aware of other teams' tactics too. Like you said, some a team might be trying to go up the road and we don't want that to happen. So we, we just need to all be on the same page and that's what really makes a successful race. Um, you know, Speaking of crashes, obviously cycling is an inherently dangerous sport, um, you know, and I know that you've crashed a few more than a few times. I've seen videos and what. And so, you know, is that something that like when you're going balls to the wall and like, you know, it's wet out or whatever? Are you like what's in your brain at that point? Like, are you are you just like so focused on the second and the moment that you're not worried about crashing or do you actually think about it? Just curious. Um, I think I think about it sometimes. It definitely it happens around quite a bit like you're more I more think about it. I want to avoid it if it happens in front of me or if um but I don't it's not very good to ride cautiously because <laughs> that'll that'll get you yeah absolutely uh, um so I try not to think about it very much but I do want to be in a situation where I could avoid it if it happens to me so yeah. I ride you know to the side and I try to be smart about it but sometimes you just you can't control it if it happens it happens and right. um there's nothing you can do about it yeah I know so at some point this past summer, I'm not sure where you were because you travel so much. I don't know if it was London or Scotland or somewhere. And you, you might have actually had the leader's jersey, but there was a huge crash in the field sprint. Mm -hmm. Somebody at the front kind of just like took out somebody. You went down pretty hard. It looked pretty 
horrendous from video, but I don't think you got hurt that bad. What race was that? Yeah, that was Ride London, so it was okay. just a one day, so there was no leader's jersey. Okay. Um, but it was heading into the final sprint, and um, yeah, we just <laughs> that was that was it. The whole field almost was taken out. I was fine, just a little bit of road rash, okay. and there were other people that you know had it, had it worse, so I can't complain. But um, yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you think about crashing and you race bikes, well, then you probably shouldn't be racing bikes because <laughs> it's just it, that's what happens. Yeah. So th this question might show my hand as somebody who's never actually participated in a bike race. Um, when they decide which members of the team are going to be in each race, right? I imagine that's that's a conversation that's had. Uh, are they just looking for? the types of skill sets that would suit a particular style of race, uh, the particular course? Yeah, so um, all of that is taken into account. Um, also just rider schedules, like I said, with school. Um, there's a lot of races that I just, I couldn't come to. Um, but yeah, something like a big race on the calendar, like Tour of California, it's no longer on the calendar for this year, but that's a, that's a race that everybody wanted to be a part of. It was a big climbing race, so they chose a lot of climbers for it, but also had a couple sprint stages. So we wanted to have a pretty balanced roster on that, but um, also just um, what other races, you know, if someone has done all the races leading up to that point, then give them a break. And right. um, So yeah, it really depends, but sometimes um, riders aren't totally happy with the decision because it's at the end of the day, it's not our decision, but um, sometimes it works out. We want to go through the little video demo that we have. Sure. Yeah, didn't tell you about that, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, right now, we're gonna show show you a short clip. But before we do, um, I want to uh, explain what a criterium really is. So, Emma, explain what a criterium is, and yeah, uh, a couple short sentences to people. Okay. Um, a criterium is a shorter road race, so. <laughs> Um, usually happens in about an hour for our for our um, you know for women cycling, um, and it's downtown, so it's usually like a four to eight corner circuit that um, usually about a minute and two minutes. Yeah, probably about a m anywhere from like six tenths of a mile to a mile long. Okay. So a couple of minutes. So just a couple minutes, and it's really fast. The corners corners make it pretty sketchy and a lot of times it comes down to a sprint finish um, unless you know somebody could attack and get away but um, they're pretty pretty known for coming down to sprint finishes yeah that type of race emphasizes you know cornering a lot of sprinting a lot of like 10 20 30 second power and also you know quite a bit of confidence because you are really cornering at high speeds and it's uh, fairly nerve-wracking if you've never raced a Criterium to watch one. And, and right now, we're going to show you the last two laps of the Professional Women's Criterium Championship from Knoxville. So we're going to watch it. Then we're going to stop it. Then we're going to go back one lap. And I've got questions for Emma. <laughs> okay? So we have to step this way to look at it. This way. So guys, like this. So we can watch. And we're going to be right here. So this was in June of this year, right? Yeah. So, what? So it's two. It's two laps to go. No way. And this is the moment. It's two laps to go that it now enters your head that you could potentially be the national champion. So you get really excited and nervous and antsy at this point. At this point. Erica Clevenger up on the front. Do you feel it in your stomach? Is it butterflies in a situation like this? I mean, oh. do, you, do you physically feel the nerves out there? Two laps to go. I, I definitely think so. You can hear the crowd. Everything's kind of picked up and uh, in volume, a, a couple of decibels. Uh, it's coming down to the nitty gritty. You've spent some time out there racing. You see what everybody's doing. You feel your legs. You know exactly what's coming up. Yeah, you were 100% you ready for this lap to be over with. Here goes Riley again off the front in the orange That's jersey my with the white helmet. The summer boat going again. Now we're getting into the desperate late race attacks. Remember, these are not the sprinters, but Rally has enough riders that they can throw a few up the road. They started with six. So I think Summer's gonna, you know, again, keep it hard. I see Erica and Emma together. Kind of sitting around 10th. 
Folks certainly doing a great job of driving it here. She's done. And that's going to be it for her. Madison Kelly trying to get up to the front. I see uh, Summer Moak off to the right-hand side. Mission accomplished for her. Now, there's no shame in what's happening to Summer Moak here. She emptied the tank. That was part of the plan for the Rally United Healthcare Cycling Team. So, mission accomplished for Moak. Now, she turns it over to uh, the two sprinters here. Yep, job done. Sit up. Don't even have to finish the race. Go to the pits. Watch the finish. It looks like it's going to be Erica Carney trying to lead out Emma White tonight. Carney up on the front, that's White right behind her. Here comes Corinne Rivera in the red jersey. Corinne doesn't even look like she's pedaling hard. Rivera's just small enough, too, that she can get up and over this climb as they start ringing the bell for one lap to go, setting them out for the final circuit here in downtown Knoxville. We're one lap away from crowning a new national champion here in 2009, who, or 2019. Who's going to wear the stars and stripes in 2020? <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> But we have seen dozens of attacks throughout the night, but none of them have stuck. This will come down to a field sprint tonight. Tina Pick making her way forward as the legendary sprinter wants to have one more go at another national championship. You can see all the supermen just made it to the front. Going to do a nice lead out, I guess, for Lily. So it's really all going to come down to that last hill up to the left-hand turn. Hoggins Berman Superman has a great lead out here on the front going four deep might be a little early to get to the front They still have a half lap to go There's Kendall Ryan a little further back Christina Goki Smith or is that still Tina pick that's pick Oh pick is mixing in with the Hoggins Berman Superman train here She's trying to steal the wheel so that's pick third wheel see how she's inserted herself into the train of Bourbon Superman Rodders over the front. You know what? Sometimes that's okay. You can just let her in. It's one more person that's going to be on the front and uh, mess things up a little bit, and that's okay. Kendall Ryan making her way to the front here. Fourth wheel. Where is Corinne Rivera? Oh, she's tucked in. I see her behind Emma. Rivera might be a little far back here. She'll need up. Oh, there's a clean line for Rivera right there. Bit of a hill right here, trying to everybody making that last ditch effort to move up into that perfect position. And now it's a race to the final turn. Rivera out of the saddle. They'll go up this hill. Emma Lily Corinne. Lily Williams getting in good position. Second wheel. Rivera is third position. Emma White will lead it out early here. Williams second wheel. Kendall Ryan is third. White leads it around the final turn. She's got the finish line in sight. Emma's got this. Emma White sprints early and holds on for a national championship in Knoxville, Tennessee. Wow. That's your new Criterion National Champion. So, hey, uh, Mark, just go back to that last Still lap. Finished. And then, wow. And then on that turn, where Emma and Corn Rivera at the front there. Congratulations from. That was the first time I've watched this. <laughs> come on, stop. Oh, my heart rate is <laughs> crazy. That's not, come on. You watched 100 I, times probably. No, I haven't. <laughs> so, yeah, just. So, go back to. Yeah, so. Yeah, so you're behind Erica, right? So, is Erica, was Erica the one that kind of was helping you throughout most of the race? Yeah, Erica is one person on our team. Well, we have a lot of people on the team that have so much experience, but she has so much experience in, in Criteriums especially. She won the year before, or not the year before this, two years before this, the Criterium. So, um, no, actually, I think it was it was just last year. But anyway, um, so she, she really knows what she's doing in the crowd, so she's one person. That was, that was part of the plan. So throughout the race, are you pretty much staying on her wheel and she's just getting you through the corner safely? Uh, yeah, um, I wasn't on her wheel the whole race, but mm -hmm. most just finding teammates and being there. Um, yeah, but the this this was kind of the um, last minute plan. This wasn't uh, summer moke like that attack that went. Yep. That was one that we wanted. That was also part of the plan. If that could stick, that was plan number one. Okay. This was if that failed. Okay, gotcha. And that makes sense. You need to have more than one. One egg in the basket there, yeah. right? Just in case you never know, because the sprint's a sprint. So, can you f go to that one turn that's coming up? It's coming up. Emma. 
So here they're setting up for that turn. So Rivera. So Rivera actually gets ahead of you a little bit here, but you come underneath her into this turn. Okay. So right there, stop that there for a second. Oh, oops. So I was watching this the live feed actually when you were actually doing the race. So I'm looking at this going, scream. You can ask Beth. I'm actually screaming at the computer going, you went too early. Because you went from a long ways out. Yeah. But, you know, when you got through this turn, you gapped everybody by about a bike length. So at that point, you were all in. You weren't going to stop no matter what happened. Mm -hmm. But was that the plan or is that just where you ended up? Or did you know Rivera was trying to get in your wheel, but it wasn't Rivera on your wheel at that point? Yeah, and that was the plan. Um, I knew I was going to go before this corner because at that point there are three corners left in the race and so much of your time is spent coasting through the corners. So everybody is coasting. Nobody's getting that ec those extra couple seconds pedaling. Um, so because of how much, I mean, there's really just coasting through the corners, standing up for a couple pedal strokes and then coasting again. Right, it's not like a long flat sprint where everybody's pedaling and drafting. It's, it's, a split, yeah. you know, it's a little bit different than that. So as you came through to turn, did you know you had a gap on someone? Did you look underneath your shoulder? No, or, no. no you, just I, you went hard, you yeah, were going, you yeah. just didn't matter. I didn't know what the gap was. I knew I wanted to get to the last corner first and I think the only, only way to have done that because I wasn't gonna pass anybody in the last two Corner. So, gotcha. um, yeah, I saw Corinne start to go, and I think she had the same same idea. She wanted to also right. be the first. Right. So there she is, back there, right there. And so, what really went in your favor, if you're analyzing this, was that Kendall Ryan someone let a gap open. They really weren't on your wheel. I mean, you're going full out right here. That's really not that close to you going that fast. Yeah. Right. See. Stop there right for a second. So that was like. That was great move because you gapped everybody and she couldn't close it. Mm -hmm. And she corn was on her wheel. And that was a little bit of a hill, so there's not much draft too. So that someone too. behind yep. you yep. you can't really tuck in because Lily Williams that getting point. good position. I mean, that's pretty, it doesn't look like that much of a hill, but that's a, that was a kicker. Well, I remember last year in this race, you, you hit a pedal or something happened to you, right? You skipped it. Yeah. You, sk you almost crashed in it. Yeah. Okay, road race. Yeah, so that's her win. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> so we can transition the conversation into a little bit more about the Olympics right. now and what you're hoping to make the Olympic team is significantly different than what we just watched. Yeah, so... Um, Last March, not this past one, the one before, I was invited to a talent ID camp um, at, um, in Colorado Springs with the USA Cycling track camp. Um, so that was my first time on a track, um, on a track bike. <laughs> um, so then this, then the, the fall after that, so last fall was my first time racing with USA Cycling on the, on the track program. So that's what I'm hoping to go to the Olympics for and yeah, sorry. So can you explain exactly what event you are doing and, and, and how it works? Um, most people here in the crowd probably have never raced on a track. I haven't raced on a track. So this is something that, uh, you know, is not as easy accessible as like road racing because you have to have a track near your house. The closest one to here is like probably New York City. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the track bike, it's a fixed gear and single speed, so it doesn't have brakes. Um, I know you, everyone's familiar with that, like as long as the, the t pedals are turning, the wheels are also turning. So um, when you start, for example, you're starting on a big gear because you want to go fast later in the race, but you're c from a dead stop, it, r it takes a while to get on top of that gear. So there's a lot of power and um, a lot more um, upper body strength than there is in um, in uh, road road racing, I'd say. So I'm doing the team pursuit, and that's the only event I'm looking at for the Olympics. Um, and that's uh, we're it's a time trial, pretty much, um, but almost like a team time trial. So four of us start together, and um, the race is four kilometers, so it takes under four minutes and twenty seconds. Um, 
So it's pretty much how, how quick we can go as a team, and the time is taken from the third rider. So only three people have to finish, but all three of those people do have to finish. Um, and there are three rounds. So how big of an adjustment was that? Because that kind of training is vastly different than training for, for road events. Yeah, um, it's actually a bit similar to, to cyclocross training <laughs> as far as the punchy and then rest and punchy and rest. Um, a little bit of a shorter race than a road race. Um, so only it's only a four-minute effort, but um, the amount of t – so when you're on the front, um, you're putting out – that's that's kind of like a sprint. <laughs> it's You're going really hard, and you do however many laps. It's usually between a lap and two laps. Um, and then you go to the back, and you get to recover. And granted, that's still pretty fast, but um, – you're not taking in all of the all of the wind at that point. So how many pulls do you take in that four minutes? Um, two to three. Two to three. Okay. For how long? Um, usually, so a lap and a half. Lap and a half. For I was doing this past World Cup, I did a three lap pull, which was bigger, but that probably won't won't happen. It depends. Everybody has a different pole structure. So somebody like Chloe Digert, who I know you guys are probably familiar with. Um, she's uh, just crowned world champion in time trial. Um, one of the strongest women ever, and she's my age. <laughs> um, she's she'll a world take champion on the track as well. She won, the gold medal at the, she won a gold medal at the world championships on track and on the road. Yeah. She's and she's the same age as Emma. So um, she will take four, four lap pulls, five lap pulls, <laughs> which will make my <laughs> pulls shorter, and I won't do as many of them. But... Um, so it depends on the rider and strengths. So how intimidating was that? You know, you, you're, you're a really great road racer, criterion racer, but you go to the track and you're probably immediately riding with world champions on the track, which is a discipline that was probably pretty foreign to you, I'm assuming. Um, and, and then you go to these World Cups where these athletes have been doing this for years and years, and a lot of it is a lot of skill and a lot of timing. In precision because you're on a track and it's not it's banked it's not like you're just riding around on this piece of wood it's not that easy to keep the bike going straight not to mention you're going really fast that close on arrow bars there you know there's no room for error for bad crashes mm -hmm. yeah um, intimidating is the perfect word because um, I was told I went I was on the first so the Colorado Springs track is a concrete track and it's um, longer than a UCI track so um, I went to LA for the first and rode the first UCI track that's a, a wood track a lot steeper a lot <laughs> faster um, and I was training with the team who at that point were world champions so I was on the track with three other people in rainbow stripes <laughs> um, my first <laughs> my first uh, UCI track experience um, and I couldn't stay on the line like it's a very technical it's a really like a serious technical change I wasn't used to that at all um, and I was thinking what in the world am I doing and they told me if I play my cards right I could be at the Olympics in a year and a half and I'm thinking that's insane <laughs> like um, yeah I wasn't at that level at all and um, that that team is really great. The coach is amazing. Everyone that's working there, they're, they're really backing me up and, um, um, yeah, giving the best resources possible. So uh, it's been a big change, but um, I think that I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> so as, as you've gotten more experience and you've gone to more World Cups around, around the globe, I know that recently the team just won a World Cup in, was it Minsk? Mm -hmm. I yep, think, is that Belarus, right? Yep, in Belarus. So, and then you just got back from New Zealand and Australia this past weekend racing. So, you know, track is a winter sport, but in the Olympics, it's a summer sport. <laughs> um, so I guess your schedule in 2020 is going to change quite a bit if you get chosen for the Olympic team. So what's that process like, though? Right now, the team has not been chosen. But how many women can actually do what you're doing? So is it... Is it a good possibility you're going to be on the Olympic team? Is that what you're thinking? Um, I'm certainly, a spot a little bit here. certainly hoping, <laughs> um, you know, barring anything that goes wrong. Um, it's looking good. It's looking pretty good. Um, but I'm really lucky to be on the road team I am, um, Rally UHC, where my director was actually, he was on the uh, Canadian track team. He went to the Olympics. 
um, for track. So he really understands that. Um, also on the team, we have um, another Cana a Canadian rider who went to Rio Olympics for the track um, and who is also hoping to go to Tokyo. And two other girls that are trying out for the USA team. So there are four of us on rally that are Olympic hopefuls. So um, whether it'll work out for all of us, that's, you know, we're not sure. But um, the team is really supportive of Olympic dreams. And um, if we can't get there one way, they're supportive of us going another way. As part of your training and recovery, uh, you probably have to eat fairly well. So can you give us kind of a, a rough day of what you eat to kind of fuel your training and recovery? Yeah, um, so if I'm training pretty hard, I'm hungry a lot. <laughs> and I, that's kind of, I don't diet. I don't <laughs> really watch too much what I eat other than um, I try to, you know, I eat healthy, but I eat a lot, um, which I think is good. That hasn't <laughs> been a problem so far. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, I just, I try to, a lot of carbs and protein. I think that's um, the biggest thing, especially like when I'm racing and training hard, I don't pay too much attention. It's when I'm not that right. um, I try and mm. tone well, it down. But What about recovery? Do you have dedicated times during the week where you kind of work in some extra rest or massage, foam rolling, things like that? Um, during races when I'm traveling, that's really when the recovery is perfect because of uh, what we were talking about earlier with right. the Swannies and um, and they have massage and Normatex. I have a set of Normatex. I don't know if anyone is familiar with those, but that's a big recovery tool that I have at my apartment and, um, and foam rolling. So a lot of that, just being able to sit down, put my feet up, um, really that, that mental recovery too, just, you know, kind of getting everything off my mind and being able to spend time with friends or family. That, that's big recovery for me too. So in big blocks of training, what does a typical week look like for you as far as volume, intervals, um, and uh, I know that you motor pace sometimes. And motor pacing is something that cyclists do uh, to gain fitness behind usually like a Vespa, a moped type thing. And most cyclists have, have done that, and it's a great way to gain fitness. And I know that, that you guys do that. But what does a week look like volume-wise and intensity-wise for you? Yeah, um, it's always changing. It depends on a lot. Um, right now, with it being so cold, I'm doing a lot of indoor riding. Um, but if I wasn't, I would probably be doing two to four hours um, out outdoors if it wasn't snowy. Um, whether that be, usually if it's a four-hour ride, it's just endurance, just kind of riding at a good place. Um, if I have intervals, sometimes that's um, up hills or like um, those are probably short, closer to two, two and a half hour rides. Um, it always depends. It depends on if it's early in the season, I ride uh, more volume. Um, if it's close to a race, I'll do shorter but intervals. Um, and now with the track, I have a, a gym. I don't do so much gym during the uh, road season, but with track, that's a big part of my training. So like three times a week, um, I'm going to the gym. It really, really changes depending on what's going on with life and uh, racing. Right, because, I mean, unlike some other sports, you race a lot in cycling. I mean, it's not uncommon to race 40, 50 times a year. So a lot of the time is resting in between the races, and you don't do a lot of volume in sometimes in those days because you're getting the volume intensity during the race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess moving along a bit here, so – Obviously, your, your site is set for Tokyo, and that's going to be the main focus for, for next season. But beyond that, um, you know, you have a chance to make the Olympic team maybe on the road side of things, the next Olympics, or you have your decision made, are you going to go pro tour, okay? So now, why don't you explain a little bit about the different levels within cycling, what rally is and how they relate to like a pro tour. Yeah, so um, women's cycling is a lot different from men's where there's a lot of different levels. And, um, but women's cycling is kind of, so the race, I'm at the highest level in America right now. So that's technically a world tour team, but it's an American world tour team. Um, so what that allows Emma to do in her team is to get to the biggest races in the world. Like, you just can't go do the Tour de France. You can't go do the Giro d'Italia just to do it. You have to be on world tour teams that get invited, 
Okay. So what Emma's saying is that she's eligible for the biggest races in the world based on the team you're on now. So that tells me that you probably will most likely stay with Rally because they will get you to the races that you want to get to if you are indeed going to go to Europe. But there are other teams out there that are just focused on European races that do pro tour races only. And, you know, you're going to be out of college soon, right? You're you graduating. Yeah. You're, you already graduated. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Thank Didn't you. even know that. <laughs> so, so you're able to now have the freedom to do that. Is that something that, you know, you want to do or you think you can do? Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot and I really don't know yet. Um, there's a lot, a lot of decision-making. Um, if I were to move, if I were to be on a European world tour team, that would mean moving to Europe and being solely based out of Europe, usually, um, the Netherlands or Belgium. Um, so that would be huge. That's a really, really cool opportunity. A lot of women in America have made that step. Um, the racing is completely different over there. It's almost like a different sport racing over in Europe. Um, just a, a complete another level. So um, also those teams, um, they do a lot. For example, um, a team would usually have their coaches work. You wouldn't be able to work with a coach outside of the team or a team doctor or you wouldn't be oh able really to interesting i didn't know that the team um so everything's very central which is it's has its you know pros and cons but it, it works well for the team so it would be very much um yeah it's it's much different so um yeah it would be it's a really cool opportunity i think it would be great but like you said i could get a lot of the same w through rally so I'm not sh sure what decision I'm going to go with. I have time to think. <laughs> uh, one more question before we open it up to, to the audience. Has there been a point in your career, um, like a, a lesson that you've learned that early on maybe that, that has stuck with you over the last couple of years? Um, yeah, I think one thing that's really important that I didn't do the first couple of years was really trusting myself and listening to my body. Um, my coach is working with me, she's in Idaho, so you know she'd give me a workout and if I was really tired or something, it took me a while to tell her, you know, I'm not feeling it today and that's okay. Um, so that was one thing that took me a while to just to really trust in what I'm feeling because you, you know yourself more than anyone else. Um, and the other thing I'd say is it's really important it's kind of cliche, but um, to keep having fun. I think the moment that you're not you're not loving what you do is the moment where it's it doesn't you're not putting your best in anymore. So um, you know whether that be if you're really dreading going out, you just you know meet up with friends and go out and um, keep doing things that that make it make you happy doing it. So um, I think that that's been really important for me. Cool. Uh, so we'll pass a. An extra microphone around so if you have a question just raise your hand and uh, we'll get it to you ask away yes sir uh, time trial we talked earlier about uh, Christine Armstrong training you and being your coach what's the one thing that really stands out when she and you are preparing for a time um, one thing that she is phenomenal at is the, the mental aspect leading into a time trial. Um, for those of you not familiar, Kristen Armstrong uh, is my coach, and she's a three-time gold medalist uh, for the time trial, Olympian gold medalist um, at the time trial. So she's really good at the headspace leading in, um, which has been, I mean, the kind of mental training has been as important as the physical training. Um, so she really talks me through what you know what goes through my head when I'm warming up or when I'm off the bike when I'm at the start gate. Um, that's been even when you're. I mean, some of those time trials get get long. <laughs> you know, when you're all alone and you're just going as hard as you can. She th she tells me what to think when I'm when I'm hurting when I'm at that level. And um, the bottom line is that everyone else is is hurting too, and the goal is to hurt more than they are. So. Um, that's something I would have never come up with, and it's important. <laughs> it's good. Do you have any advice for beginners uh, with racing or just cycling in general? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think you're really lucky. You've got a lot of friends here, and a lot of I've seen your guys' your group of 
uh, pals to ride bikes with, that's really important. You know, go out as much as you can together and um, have fun with it because, um, you know, you want to you wanna keep it fun. Also, I know you guys are in school too, so um, I really, I think that's so important too. I don't know what your plans are for after, but um, I encourage everybody to keep with school, even though racing, um, I think just having fun, doing everything you can to keep it fun. Emma, is there uh, a, a go-to? Is there like a go-to meal that you have, or like pre-race, pre-race nutrition? What what do you do for that? Um, that's a good question. I I love pasta dishes. It's so it's pretty. It's not not a very uh, inspiring, um, but like good pasta and meatballs. It's good anywhere in the and anywhere in the world really. Um, so I I like that. When we travel, we have. Um, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff. It's just rice or chicken. And um, I, at home, I'm not really a good cook, but I'm. I like to think I'm getting there. <laughs> so I've been trying to uh, figure figure out my daily, uh, like what I like. But um, when I'm on the road, so a lot of times it's I'm pretty easy. I I just <laughs> um, yeah. I like to. I don't really have preferences to be honest. So there's a, a lot of young people here that look up to you as a kind of local hero. Who do you look up to? Um, well, Kristen, we kind of just touched on my coach, Kristen Armstrong, um, not only because of her results, but also because um, she she's done really well at having a job outside of cycling and also a family. She's got a son, Lucas. So that's really cool to see that as she just retired um, in after Rio, but through her time in racing, she's been able to have this whole second life, which is really great to see. Um, she's she's been a big, I think that's probably one of my biggest role models. Hey, Dave. Hey, I got a question about social media. I follow you on Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, and all your posts you know, are really positive. They're wonderful. You're a great role, role model. Thank you. So do you get help from Raleigh or USA Cycling, or is it all you? Yeah, that's one thing that I feel strongly about is keeping it all me. Um, we've had, I mean, there's definitely been offers of, you know, like people are always trying to help you out with professional, or like um, their social medias. And um, that's something that I, I want to hold on to is just is my own. Um, because some things definitely get lost in translation. And um, so, yep, that's that's all me. I try to keep a little bit of my non-cycling life. I try to like balance it out, but it ends up being a lot of cycling. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> if you walked into Starbucks and sat down and Lance Armstrong was sitting next to you, what would you say? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, honestly, Lance Armstrong is probably the reason that I got into cycling. When I was young, he was he was the big star. Um, so I'd like to think that I would th want to thank him. <laughs> um, but you know, is yeah, I. I, I, yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> I, I do, I have a lot to thank him for, but also I'm sad at the same time. <laughs> do you think uh, now that college is open, things are gonna change too? Like, do you, how much, how much stress does college on you? Like, I mean, I just, going to college is stressful without money, but put going to college and traveling the world and being the world's class athlete, <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I've always done that. I've always had that balance, you know, even like through high school. I, um, I've never done school without cycling, and I've never done cycling without school. So um, I'm, I'm curious, too. I really don't know. I think that I'm going to want something on the side. I think I'm going to 
drive myself crazy if I don't have anything to do in my spare time. Um, so yeah, I think I'm not I'm not jumping into anything before the Olympics. I think from now until June, it's going to be um, very very focused and very busy. But after that, I think I'm going to start twiddling my thumbs a little bit um, before the next thing. So um, I think I'm going to I don't know I'm going to do something. But I think all that free time will will be strange. Does your um, off when you're off season, do you <laughs> and the other women on your team, do you guys follow like the same strength training or off the bike training? Do you have something that you all do, or do you all find your own, have your own go-tos, or your own coaches? Yeah, everybody kind of. So def when we're not racing, we all go back to our own places and uh, do our own things. Like um, for strength coaching, I've got my own strength coach and. Some of my teammates share her, but it's not. Yeah, we definitely don't all have the same program, even um, even on the bike during the season. Coach, my coach is Kristen Armstrong, and um, I she doesn't coach anybody else on my team, so it's very individualized. And I know a lot of my I've got a lot of Canadian teammates on the road, of course, not with Team USA, um, but they'll go skiing and they do a lot of like winter activities. So um, everybody finds their own thing. you study in college and does it relate to cycling at all? Um, I studied computer science at Union um, and it I, th I think it relates but not yet. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah I'll find I'll find a way for it to relate but um, yeah they were kind of separate throughout it but although a lot of all my professors the computer science professors were super into riding bikes so maybe it correlates a little bit. <laughs> What is your uh, favorite place that you've traveled to for biking, like, ever? That's a really good question. Um, just coming back from New Zealand and Australia, that was amazing. Super cool, and the koalas and kangaroos were <laughs> probably a big reason. Um, the other place I would say was Scotland. Scotland was also at the top of that list. Um, what's on your bucket list for, like, places to go Ooh. and stuff to do? That's a great question. Um, honestly, if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have said New Zealand. Like New Zealand's always been at the very top. Um, now, uh, I don't know. I want to go back to Ireland. I've been to Ireland, but not for cycling. Um, Tokyo. Tokyo is at the top <laughs> of the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want to go to Africa sometime, but I don't know how the cycling is there. Um, what turned you away from cyclocross in the last like two years? Like, why did you decide to go more to the road and less to cyclocross? Good that Excellent. is a good question, and it actually didn't have to do with road. It was the talent ID camp for track cycling. So I, I went into that talent ID camp saying, this will only help me to prepare for cyclocross, <laughs> and I left there and got a phone call from the coach that said, look you've got a big opportunity for the Olympics. And as soon as somebody says that word, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a really hard decision. Um, but I, had, I felt that I wanted to try something new and um, I might end up back in cyclocross at some point. Um, but yeah, it was really because of the track program that made me change my mind. Yeah, Emma was a professional cyclocross racer as well. So she would race the road in the spring and summer and race cross in the, in the fall and winter time, just if, in case people didn't know that. We have time for one or two more questions. Yeah, so um, there actually aren't like specific trials, so really they've been going on um, with the World Cups. We had Pan Am Championships in Bolivia in August, which was a big, I mean, they've, they're getting all the data, um, really marking everything down from between this past summer and the Olympics. So um, then we had a World Cup in Minsk, which we got gold there, and then the past two World Cups, then we have one more World Cup in January, 
and then World Championships in February in Berlin. So all of these events are really big um, deciding factors. And then when we go back in between the World Championships in February and May, when um, the, the team is decided, we'll be in Colorado Springs and training together. And they take all the power numbers and all of the times. So um, it's all very scientific and numbers. Yeah, there is a selection committee, so they'll, the coach goes to the selection committee with all of the data, and um, they narrow it down from there. Really, there's um, two girls in the, um, of the seven that are really fighting for the spot that were in, in Rio last year. So they've been a part of the team that's been world champions, three-time world champions since, since Rio. Um, and uh, so they're, they're good. They're pretty much, I mean, without having a final spot, they've got, they've got the spot. So it's position three, four, and five, an alternate. All right. Emma, thank you very much. Thank you. You clearly have a, a large community uh, locally here all rooting for you and, and pulling for you. So best of luck uh, in the year ahead. And uh, appreciate we'll it. be thank watching. Thank you all for coming. Yeah, it means a lot. So Emma White, everybody. Eat some cookies. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sense Fitness Podcast. Losing weight can be difficult, but it doesn't need to be complicated. If you're unsure of how to begin your weight loss journey, start here at sensefitness.com. You'll learn the five simple steps for weight loss success. These tips are right on our homepage right now, sensefitness.com. Click the link and take the first steps toward a healthier you.